Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Crime and Investigation podcast. My name is Mine Hines, and in this episode, we are exploring a brand new series of cold case files. Now, you may have seen previous episodes of the Emmy Award-nominated show, and the latest series illuminates the world of investigation, solving crime with a cinematic look and breathtaking true stories. Here's a little taste of what you will see. If you haven't lived through it yourself, you'll never know how it really feels. They took away our life. It will never be the same. It can't be. We didn't have any more witnesses. No more people were coming forward. This case is dead. It really haunted the community because we didn't know if there was a murder among us. I put my hand on the casket and I said, Mom, we're going to catch him. So Tuesday nights at 10pm is where you can see justice come to light. And let us know your thoughts on the show. Get involved on social media, at CIUK on Facebook and at CI on Twitter. We'll have lots of exclusive content and some quizzes too for you to get involved in. And now I'm delighted to say joining us all the way from Australia is Laura Fleury, executive producer of the show and also the head of international programming for a Networks. Laura, thank you so much for coming on the show today. How are you doing? I'm doing great. I'm having a, a beautiful day here in Melbourne. <laughs> well, we appreciate you taking the time to talk to us all the way from Australia. So first of all, can you just tell us a little bit about your background in TV and in crime TV specifically? I began my career working in uh, in documentary filmmaking um, that happened to be stories that involved, uh, that were investigations or trials, um, and then wanted to get into television um, and had the opportunity to work at A&E Network, uh, which at the time was um, known for its biography television shows, so biographies about different famous people. But I also had the opportunity very quickly to work on shows like American Justice and Investigative Reports, which were um, documentaries that retold the stories of really interesting cases. So that is when I kind of got the the crime bug, although I realized in retrospect that I had written my thesis about the psychology of suspense and Hitchcock films. So I've really been destined to do this for, for longer um, and just became really interested in how uh, the challenge of telling 
the story of what really happened in these cases, whether it's through a trial or through the investigation. Um, there are a lot of strict rules in terms of what you can and cannot say, um, but the goal in television was also to make them interesting. So I worked closely with a production company. So on the network side, you're shaping the story kind of like the editor of a newspaper and you're working with the reporters. So in our case, the producers who are out in the field actually interviewing the people and doing the research and all that. So that's kind of the role that I've always had um, and have had the, the pleasure to work with a lot of really brilliant producers. Um, and because of the way AED works, we really partner with those producers and, and craft the stories editorially. So, um, and, and, and I've done a lot of other types of programming besides crime, but crime is to me the most fascinating, uh, type of storytelling. And, um, I think more and more people agree with me. So I feel good about that. Yeah. I think if our social media platforms or anything to go by, more and more people are definitely agreeing with you, but it's interesting you mentioned suspense there, because that leads us quite nicely to the return of Cold Case Files, which was a very well-loved and successful series. What prompted the new episodes and the new look of the show? And what was your role in it? Uh, well, I was involved originally in developing the, from the network side, developing the original series. Um, it was a spinoff of our investigative report series. And at the time, which was in the late 90s into the uh, mid 2000s, when we made the series, um, that was really born out of the fact that cold case investigations weren't really a thing until... Uh, the technology of DNA had advanced to a level where they could go back and reopen some old cases. Um, so that's why that was the why now back then. Um, the series, the reason it went off the air in uh, the mid to late 2000s was because um, A&E had made a shift to present tense programming. Instead of telling past tense stories, we moved fully to present tense. And that's where um, for the first 48 I was I developed that show um, from the network side. And so in the subsequent years, as much as I've loved all the shows that we've done on, on A&E, I've always thought, well, gee, you know, there are these amazing stories that we don't get to tell anymore that we used to tell in Cold Case Files. And so um, lots of my international colleagues who run our channels, our crime investigation channels, um, like in the UK and Australia, were really hopeful that we would bring back Cold Case Files one day. And so um, I just finally, honestly, got to a point where I was uh, senior enough that I could just develop it. And I actually developed it initially for one of our smaller networks in the U.S. Um, and when A&E, the bigger channel, got wind of that, they said, oh, well, we should do this for A&E. And we got a lot more support to do it. So the timing was um, really just because I've been wanting to do it for a long time and finally got the support to do it. Um, and kind of lucky timing that it happens to coincide with this incredible uh, passion of the the public in crime programming. So it's not just the crime viewer that's watching uh, crime stories anymore. And so that gave us a, a bigger platform to to produce this um, and and introduce some different stylistic approaches to it. But um, the other thing that was exciting about it was that we, we made it a rule of the new series that we could only tell the stories of cases that had been solved since the original series went off the air. So these are recently solved cases, um, although many of them were crimes that took place 20, 30 years ago. So that's probably a very long answer, but, but that's the story. 
a long answer, but very detailed and very informative. Thank you so much. Um, one thing a lot of people have noticed about the new episodes is that it looks fantastic. There's a cinematic feel to the visuals and the pacing. It just looks very different to other crime shows out there. So from your perspective, how important was it that the new episodes had a different look and feel to previous iterations? Yeah, I, I think it was, there were two things that were very important to me, although more than two, but two, two chief ones I'm thinking of right now. One was to make sure that we maintained the core aspects of the original series so that fans of the original series would come to this new series and still be able to recognize the key important elements in terms of the types of stories and the types of cases that we would investigate or, uh, or, or um, and, and tell them the stories of, and that there was always some really amazing twist, that thing that took this case from being cold for so long and heated it up. What was that piece of evidence, that clue, that person that came forward, whatever it was. The other key thing was, if you're going to bring back a series as iconic as Cold Cage Files, it better be really good. And it better be something that feels of the moment and now. And because of the um, the popularity of, of all sorts of, of nonfiction crime storytelling, we had the opportunity to produce these stories like movies. And we first chose to spend the entire hour on one case because there's this greater interest in going deeper into the stories um, in, in the public now. And the second was to really create an immersive cinematic experience that would really elevate these stories to the level that they deserve, which is that because the fact is that of the 120,000 cases that are unsolved in the United States, only 1% of them ever get solved. So these are truly extraordinary stories of, uh, a lot of people working for a very long time and working very hard and diligently to finally bring a resolution to these cases. So we, we really wanted to pull out all the stops and just raise the bar on every aspect of the show while keeping the core elements. It was a great show to begin with. So, um, so that the, the look of it was, it was, it is a vehicle towards really inviting that wider audience in to experience these extraordinary cases. You talk about the look there. There's also a new narrator on the show. So can you tell us why Danny Glover was chosen to narrate? The newer show doesn't have as much narration as the original. Bill Curtis, who is one of the most extraordinary voices in television and still a good friend of mine um, and was the original producer of the series. Um, In those days, it was a very heavily narrated show, and it was really kind of the Bill Curtis show in many ways, which was part of why it was so extraordinary. Um, in the effort to move this into a more uh, like a mini movie every week, um, we we and also to be a bit more contemporary, we we the plan was from the beginning to use very little to to you know, very little narration, and we wanted to bring a different personality to the contemporary uh, program and. Uh, and Danny Glover, we had a very short list and he was right at the top of it and was very interested in doing it. And, hey, you know, he's not in the show a lot, but he he creates a, a feeling that's quite different and I think quite quite moody. Um, and but but the majority of the storytelling, as you know, is carried by the people who were and largely by the family members and the the detectives who tirelessly work to, to solve these cases. So you have that real first person storytelling, which is so important to a contemporary approach. 
Absolutely, that comes across really well on the show, especially the family perspective. One thing I find really interesting is that you executive produced Footsteps in the Snow, which is a great documentary that came out a couple of years ago and, and has been seen on Crime Investigation. That was about the longest cold case that was ever solved in the US. So when you were making that, did, it, did that inspire you to make cold case files again? Did it give you the cold case bug? Well, I never got rid of the cold case bug, honestly. I mean, I, it's one of, you know, there are, I met, worked on many, many series in, in my career, and there are certain ones that really stand out, and cold case files is one of them. First 48 is another, and there are several. But um, with, with uh, you know, I was, well, I was already working on bringing cold case files back at that time. I just hadn't gotten it sort of over the line yet. So it was an opportunity to... Uh, to work and, and that that the opportunity of that particular film came directly out of the producer Nancy Glass, whose husband was writing the book of the story, um, and and so he was able to get us access to all the key players, and then Nancy had the ability to to produce that that you know and it's such a beautiful film, so. It was kind of the ultimate Cold Case Files episode, just not under the umbrella of Cold Case Files. So we produced it a bit um, more like a, a feature documentary, a drama doc. But um, I would say that there's no way that couldn't have influenced me on some level because it was such a, a great experience. And like I said, I was already in development on Cold Case Files, bringing it back. So uh, the things you work on always influence the other things you do. So um, it was a very happy uh, experience and good timing. Now, I don't want to read your own quotes back out to you, but I'm going to do it anyway. Uh, a very key quote you made once, you said, I'm a storyteller by nature and by trade. To be able to collaborate with talented storytellers around the world is a dream come true. Now, you've worked on a lot of subjects and a lot of different shows about a lot of different things, but why is crime so rich for storytelling, especially in today's day and age and perhaps more so than ever? Yes. I, well, I'm, I mean, I could talk about that for hours, so I'll try to give you a more succinct answer. But um, I think that what is so powerful about telling the stories that involve crimes that happened, how they were solved, how they were adjudicated, it really goes to the core of humanity and what people are about and what makes them tick. So I think that the main reason people are interested in crime storytelling is because they're interested in human behavior. And if you look, and this is going to sound lofty, but if you look at the Bible and you look at Shakespeare, all of the stories, um, all of the plots are, most of them are dealing with life and death stakes. Um, and certainly they're dealing with human relationships and the foibles of those human relationships. And so crime really takes that to an extreme. I think there are some uh, people who approach crime storytelling in a way that is prurient, that is exploitative, that is sensational. Um, but that's not how the most majority of it is handled. And that's certainly not how um, the storytelling that A&E networks have always done. And a lot of these series that are that have helped tip the scales of crime being a genre into crime just being um, a... a a grouping of great stories that are being told in, in and being told well. Um, so I think the, you know, you have the high stakes and the life and death stakes and the sense of a race against time and the battle of good versus evil and the desire for resolution and the satisfaction of, 
of that resolution in an answer of who did it and why and what motivated them and how might we even protect ourselves from from this sort of thing from happening again. And I think there's something about experiencing the intensity of the, the sort of the edges of humanity to which we go when we hear these stories and we know what families have had to go through when they've lost someone and see the resilience of the human spirit in the families who've, who have been strong enough to never give up and then to be strong enough to get before a camera and share their story with us alongside those detectives and those sometimes just regular people, regular members of the public who are participating and helping to resolve that and to, to sort of restore balance to the universe. Um, so there's something ultimately very life assuring about these stories as much as they are, they tell us about the darkest sides of, of, of life. So I think they're, um, when handled properly are, are a real opportunity for us to, to see the best in, in you see the worst in humanity, but then ultimately the best. Um, and, and I, I find these stories, the people that we've worked with, the people who've opened their homes to us and their lives to us and told us these stories of, are just some of the most inspiring people I've ever met. You're absolutely right. We get a lot of feedback on social media from our fans about these types of programs and how much it means to them that it's respectful and it's also an eye opener, but done in a very sensitive way. From your perspective as a program maker, is it ever difficult to not sensationalise a crime, especially because some of the topics we see on Cold Case Files and elsewhere, they're often unimaginable crimes. So is respect always the number one prerogative when you're making shows? Yeah, I mean, it's it's absolutely essential. It's the number one most important thing. Um, and I think that one of the reasons I've stayed with A&E Networks for so long is that that was inherent to how the company runs itself and absolutely how um, I've always conducted myself. The producers that we work with are the are on the front lines and we'll only work with producers who who uh, have the same level of integrity because ultimately these are stories. This, is, this, this really happened to somebody or is in the process of happening to someone in the case of the first 48 if you forget for one second that this is a real person who has really lost someone and or a family member is dead and even to the point of how you deal with the the suspects and the perpetrators these are all human beings who have rights and there are the legal aspects of that the rules that you have to follow but there are also the ethical aspects of that now that doesn't mean that we don't go to very dark places and sometimes show disturbing things we're very, very, very careful about when, how, and why we we show we choose to show something, um, because we want to make sure that we don't whitewash what happened either, because that does an injustice to the people involved as well. So it is a balance, um, and there is a certain amount of subjectivity to that. But but uh, what we take it incredibly seriously, and that's why A and E gets access to places that nobody else does. Uh, and we work with producers who get access to places that no one else does because of their reputation, because they respect, um, everyone involved in the process. And that isn't just before filming and during filming, that's after filming, that's the weeks and months and years after filming. And in some of these cases where, where the access has been, um, it been very hard won and there are family members and people who have long-term impact, whether it's a show like intervention, a series like beyond scared straight, 
um, these are, these are, there's an aftercare aspect of these shows as well. You mentioned the first four state there, and we absolutely have to talk about it because it is one of the most popular shows on CI. Our fans, they just cannot get enough of it. Over 300 episodes in, and it still continues to intrigue and thrill. So can you just tell us very quickly the genesis of the show and why you just think it manages to captivate people all these series in? Yeah, yeah. It's a, I mean, that's a, I feel very fortunate to have been involved in that. Um, and that goes back a number of years now. Was we launched that in 2004. So we were shooting it in 2003. Um, and... I have to give all the credit in the world to uh, Charles Tremaine and John Kim, who were um, part of a company called Granada at the time, which then later became ITV. And they had this idea. Now, there were a couple of other people who had ideas about, you know, following uh, uh, the, the sort of initial hours of an investigation at the time. But what they had that no one else had was that they had actually filmed behind the crime scene tape before for a series that they had, uh, sort of a hybrid series, a hybrid sort of recreation present tense. Um, it was really, I think a special that they had done. So they had already proven that they could film behind the crime scene tape, which at the time no one had ever done. And, um, so Charles had, had pitched me the idea and I really, really wanted to do it. And, uh, at the time we were, you know, the, the powers that be, that were, uh, at, at a &E at the time were not as sure whether how much more crime they wanted to do. We had cold case files on and, um, luckily for me, we had an output deal. This is sort of telling the inside story, but we had an output deal with, uh, Granada. They had one more hour of a series that we used to do called investigative reports that was coming to an end. And so I was, after bugging my boss for probably over the course of about six months, and luckily nobody else uh, ha had taken the show, I was finally able to get the opportunity to take that one leftover output hour and uh, and use it to do a pilot for the first 48. And, um, and that was one of the most uh, exciting creative experiences that I had in my life, working with closely with John Kim and, and Charles Tremaine, really cracking the code of the format of, you know, the the fact that the clock needed to count down to zero and when do we use the clock? And it's amazing that the clock is actually the thing that has really stood the test of time more so than the getting behind the crime scene tape, because at the time that seemed like that was the thing that was just so extraordinary and no one had done before. Um, the other thing that was really extraordinary about, I think, why the show has stood the test of time is that John Kim, who the, was the executive producer on the series for the, its whole life so far, um, used to be an editor. And so he understood how to take all this footage that followed, which, you know, in a lot of it, if you just watch it, it's kind of boring if it's not kind of put together right. And then take a step back and say, okay, we've got to construct this as though it were scripted. This is all true. This all really happened. But how do we put this and construct this in a way that creates suspense, that tells people what they need to know, but not too much, and that it doesn't just look like it's kind of passing before you like paint drying anyway. So it was an incredible amount of craft that went into just cracking the pilot in the first place. But I'll tell you when we should had the first internal screening of the pilot, everyone was like, we're, we're going to series on this. It was a very, it was an easy yes in, in, in that sense. Um, other challenges in terms of obviously getting access and all that kind of stuff, but, uh, uh, was a, just a, something of show I'm so very proud of for so many reasons, and one of them being that it's actually helped to improve 
relations between a lot of the communities in which these crimes take place and the police departments because they've seen their faces on TV and they know that they care. So there's a lot more cooperation between the public and the police now. Um, and that was a byproduct we never could have imagined uh, going into it. So incredibly wonderful series in so many ways. We're so proud of it. We're so proud of the fact that even after all these years, we've done some new spinoffs and they are, they're doing well too. We've got some other stuff in development. So stay tuned. Yeah, Any Network has produced some really intriguing crime shows over the last couple of years, Behind Bars Rookie Year and indeed The Jail, 60 Days In, which returns for a new series on crime investigation in April. From your perspective, having helped develop the likes of The First 48 and Cold Case Files, do you feel that your legacy has enabled these newer shows to flourish on the network? Well, I think I think the good news for A&E Network um, is that it's always had, before I got there and after I leave, it, it has had a, uh, a core pillar of crime programming. So they were, you know, I did not develop and I did not create American Justice or Investigative Reports. I sort of carry the torch of those shows and then develop things like Cold Case Files, First 48, Beyond Scared Straight, et cetera. Um, and so because A&E has been an environment that really supported the risk taking and the creative uh, the creative rigor that goes into making, not only making shows that are different, but doing them uh, with integrity and doing them uh, the right way um, and taking the time and effort to really figure out, well, how do we, how do we crack this story? And is, first of all, is it a story worth being told? And then what do we have to say that's new and how do we, and how do we accomplish that? And 60 Days In was very much that when that came in and I can take no, no, no claim of, of any responsibility other than saying, Hey, if you can really pull this off, it'd be amazing. So that's all, I, that's the only credit I get for that one. But, um, but that it was, that it was born out of, again, something that was absolutely real. This sheriff wanted to figure out how to really get corruption out of his jail. And, you know, he said, well, maybe we can bring in people because how else am I going to see unless I can get straight from the, you know, straight from the, uh, the inmates and the, in the real inmates aren't going to tell him. So it, it, so I would say this, the, the, the team that brought that in and developed that knew that the bar for A&E, anything on A&E, but certainly anything in the crime genre, A&E, the bar is incredibly high. How are you going to outdo the first 48? We've been trying to do that for years. We did that with uh, Beyond, Beyond Scared Straight, but it's been hard to outdo it with anything else um, and in terms of ratings. And so I think that if anything, I can I can take credit for keeping the bar high and carrying the torch forward and passing it on to, to people who are equally passionate and, and believe in um, – in doing in doing great storytelling and giving some people something new to think about and invest in and root for, uh, and and I think that's been accomplished very very beautifully in sixty days in, and I hope it I hope it continues for a long time. Okay, I'm going to put you on the spot now, Laura. Is there any specific crime story that you'd love to make a show of, whether it's a documentary or a full series? Is there one story that you've seen and you think, wow, that would make some really good television? Well, the, the the list of individual stories would be too long, but I would say that there's a there's a and we have tried to do stories in this arena, as have others, um, and that is on, on stories of wrongful conviction, so in, innocence project stories, and traditionally they have not rated 
um, with the exception of one we did on Hurricane Carter. He's a, he was an incredibly charismatic guy, and he ended up getting himself out um, through a, a, an interesting um, piece of law called the habeas corpus, uh, and he was uh, rid of habeas corpus. And so anyway, I won't even get into that long <laughs> sidebar. But at least in the United States, traditionally, uh, stories about wrongful conviction have been have not been embraced by the larger audience that embraces other types of crime because it unsettles that notion of justice, that if the justice system gets it so wrong, then then we feel unsafe, as opposed to the satisfaction we get of the crime stories that get solved. And then the, the bad guy goes to, you know, in quotes, the bad guy goes to prison. Now, I do think that we're at a time in our culture where um, it's it, it would be the time to try that again to to really tackle the stories of of, of wrongful conviction and 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 the the efforts of the Innocence Project um, because I think that there's just a little bit more comfort with the ambiguity uh, certainly in the case of serial you that was a that was an exploration into potential uh, wrongful conviction same with the making of a murder so it's how they treated it. They didn't say, Hey, this is a wrongful conviction story. Um, so I think that's part of the reason that they was resonated. They were also not on linear television, but, um, I think that that's an area. Those are some of the most extraordinary stories that I've heard of, of mostly men who have been in prison, many cases on death row for decades who finally get out and somehow still have their humanity intact. And it's, they're, they're truly extraordinary stories. So I, I'd say that's a, Maybe, maybe in my old age, I'll get to do those. <laughs> Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Those who want to listen to a podcast on a similar topic can hear our show with Nick Yaris, who was the feature of documentary The Fear of 13. Nick spent over 20 years on death row, and you can hear his story on the Crime Investigation podcast. But Laura... True crime discussions about true crime shows, podcasts, books have become water cooler talk. People talk about their theories at work, on the internet, everywhere. How does that make you feel that true crime has become this mainstream tool of communication for people? And is that something you want from the shows that you create? I think it's I think it's wonderful. I think it's it's I think that it's one of the positive byproducts of social media, um, which is that that there's a sense of, as you say, that you can have a conversation with people all over the world um, about exactly what we were talking about earlier, which is this fascination with human behavior. Who did it? Why did they do it? Did they really do it? What really happened? I think that combined with what is sort of a growing global lack of trust in the, you know, in the system, if you will. I mean, I mean that kind of in a, uh, kind of the, you know, not trusting the man, so to speak, um, invites people to, to want to play armchair detective a bit more anyway. Um, because clearly, you know, even the most well-meaning detectives, right. Uh, so the, 
the fact that there is such passionate conversation around these stories, and I certainly hope that's happening around everything that's on CI um, and everything that we do, is is first of all, it does honor to to this, the cases themselves because these are real people, and uh, what what happened to them needs to needs to be understood and, and known. Um, it also, I think, makes it more real to people because it is not just something you're watching passively. You're leaning into the story. You're participating. You're putting yourselves in the shoes of either the family, the protagonist, the, the detective. Um, and, I, and, I, and I think it's also empowering for people to imagine, well, maybe if they haven't solved this, maybe I could help. Maybe I can help figure this out. And crowd solving is a, is a big thing. Um, and, and, and detectives themselves, they're, they're always looking for different tools. You know, whether, you know, when DNA came around, that was great. If it's, if it's crowdsourcing, that's great. They, they want tools because they want to figure out who really did it too. So I think it's wonderful. And I think that what you're doing is great. And, and I, I hope that we can do, do more and more of this because the, the viewers of, of CI are, are smart and, having a having them really understand that CI is a place for them to come and 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 be and and interact with each other that it's not a it's not something you watch passively this is a this is a place to come and be with a community um the more we can encourage that uh, I, I think it's terrific yeah absolutely we work very hard to create community with our fans and we appreciate them all very much for their feedback on social media and elsewhere but we have to end this podcast by talking about Cold Case Files once more. Come on, give us it. Give us a promotion. The comeback series. If people listen to this, they're bound to be interested in true crime. At least you'd hope so, right, being half an hour into this show. So why should they watch the brand new series of Cold Case Files? Uh the, the new Cold Case Files is really, really beautifully produced, and it is—they're really the ultimate cases, the, the the hardest to solve cases. As I said earlier, only one percent of these cases ever get solved. Uh, these are cases that that go unsolved anywhere from months to decades, and in every one of these stories, there is a there are families who never give up. There are detectives who never give up. And there is always at least one big twist, if not a few, based on some new piece of evidence, somebody coming forward, someone having a recovered memory, um, some extraordinary convergence of, of factors that takes a case that no one ever thought would ever get solved and finally does. And, the, and, and it's sort of extraordinary stories of human persistence and uh, and amazing puzzle solving so you've got the humanity of the people involved and you've got the the fascination with the solving of the puzzle it's sort of the perfect marriage and you feel like you're seeing a feature film every week it's fantastic it certainly is tuesdays at 10 p.m crime investigation everybody get involved and laura thank you so much for coming on the show today my pleasure thank you so much martin well, there you have it. Cold Case Files. Honestly, you can't miss a single episode, each individually crafted, full of suspense, full of tension, and ultimately with a resolution you may not see coming. It's a truly unbelievable show. And thank you for listening today. Thank you for getting involved with the podcast on social media at CI, on Facebook, CI UK. Give us your feedback. We appreciate it. And a huge thank you once more to Laura Fleury for her, her amazing words and, and her amazing work with Cold Case Files and everything else. But for now, the Crime Investigation podcast is over. Until next time, stay curious. Hold up. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 